Before there was Bo, Brett, or even Barry, there was Pat. Live from the Park Bank ESPN Madison Studios, you're listening to The Pat Richter Show with Jim Rutledge and former Wisconsin Athletic Director Pat Richter. Show on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. Jim Rutledge with you live from the Park Bank ESPN Madison Studios. Pat, I am looking live at ESPN's replay of Wisconsin versus Purdue. I'm trying to place the year. Uh, it, it looks like it's definitely in the 90s. Chris Chambers is on the team. Pat, I'm going to quiz you right now. 96 or so, 96 or 98 maybe. Yeah, that's. I mean, it looks by the graphics there. I'll, I'll, I'll get it here. I'm not sure why the game is on the Big Ten Network. Well, it was probably the one where I didn't. Uh, who was it, the quarterback that fumbled their phone towards the end oh, of the game? Oh, Scott, the Starks, the, yeah. Victory. 2000 Purdue at Wisconsin. The the boy actually no, the Boilermakers. You, you closed it on me there. They, they they gave me a little description. Alex brought it up on the screen. Uh, the Boilermaker actually won that game 30 to 24 in oh. overtime. Oh, ooh, why would they show that? I don't know. Well, Purdue's got to get some love once in a while too. I guess. Yeah, exactly. hey, you've got to have some pull at the Big Ten Network. <laughs> you should tell them they shouldn't be showing this crap. That's right, especially during the daytime. Anyway. Right. Right. <laughs> Uh, this is the Pat Richter Show. We're live from the Park Bank ESPN uh, Madison Studios. Brought to you in part by Simden Chevy in Mount Horb. You can have a better buying experience at Simden Chevy in Mount Horb. I had a better buying experience out there with Dan and his team. Uh, they do a great job out there. Aaron B., the salesperson, hooked me up with a great uh, Silverado. Uh, traded in the Colorado, got a Silverado. If you're in the market for a new Chevy truck, I recommend Simden Chevy in Mount Horb. You're only minutes away from a better buying experience. Pat, I wanted to start today uh, with I guess I'm a little surprised and not trying to make a projection on who Brett Favre is but Brett Favre made some news yesterday and, and I have to say I think there's a, a lot to be said for what he's uh, talking about here because I don't know how great kids under the 14 uh, age are really tackling how many of them are really going anywhere uh, besides maybe high school football and is there a risk uh, reward balance there of kids under the age of 14 playing tackle football Brett Favre uh, and this is from the Today Show here is the website I have up. But Brett Favre urges no tackle football for children under the age of 14. He has a PSA saying younger children should play flag football to reduce their risk of developing CTE. What are your early thoughts on that? Well, I tell you what, I, I mean, I, have, I get mixed emotions about it because I think what really helped me as an athlete, and it wasn't just necessarily football, was playing against the guys in the neighborhood who were bigger, stronger, faster than I was. And uh, and if you couldn't come up to their level of play, so to speak, he wouldn't let you play. And, and they were five, six years older and things like that. And it helped a great deal. But we used to play 
tackle football without uh, without pads and helmets and things like this. And it's almost like, you know, you see rugby and they say, well, use, use no face masks, things like that, and it's not as rough a game as one with the helmets on and masks and things like that. There's probably something to be said for that, but I think that there's just too much information out there nowadays to dismiss the fact that there's there's some some people who probably shouldn't be playing football, tackle football at an early age. And I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the mixed emotion part comes into saying if you don't play tackle up until, say, 14 or 15 years old, and then all of a sudden you're thrown into it, are you prepared to be able to, to defend yourself, so to speak, not defense in the sense of life and death, but I mean the fact is, do you, do you make a block? Do you, have you got the right technique? Is your neck not uh, put at risk and things like this? And then of course the the helmet to helmet contact with the concussion and the possibilities, and I think that all ties into the things we've been talking about over the past couple of years about CTE and the fact that uh, that there's a, a real real concern at the early age, and then when, when CTE is being able to be developed and determined by a test in a living person, that's going to be really where it starts to hit the fan. Because then you're going to be able to see almost on an annual basis you know, what has happened. Have you progressed uh, down the road of CTE? And what can you do about it? Do you stop? Do you think These are things the parents are obviously going to be uh, – uh, concerned about and and I think that you know far with respect to the the contact and things like this I, I just it's, it's people are much more adaptable today than they were in terms of uh, when we played in terms of strength and conditioning you know speed conditioning they're much more focused on what they're doing they're they're uh, they're, they're specialized in, in participation things like this when we were playing different sports and things like this because there's so much money involved in there and for for him to say that i think he obviously went through some real serious difficulties with the uh, drugs and things like this that caused by the injuries and he's probably just saying it's very difficult to you know, get the, this this started down the path of of treatment and things like this and you're not really adapted to that kind of a lifestyle at, at an early age, and because it all really depends on the kind of coaching you're getting, because now it's even more important than ever that you're getting proper coaching and techniques and things like this, so that you can protect yourself. And I think there's ways you can find that middle ground there. This is the Pat Richter Show, 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin on demand. It worth the idea of can you have tackling drills? Can the guys, can the players be tackled into? Um, like a like the, I remember when we did some tackle. You do tackling drills, and there's a big foam uh, cushion, for lack of a better word, behind you, and you get hit, and you go into that. Like, can you work on the forms? Can you work on how to get hit without it actually happening? Almost control it a little bit more, where uh, you're still allowing the kids to get some of those forms down. Maybe it's even in shells, working on keeping that head up. Because look, concussions are a major issue, but. I, we still see stories yearly about peewee football and kids breaking their neck and getting uh, injured by keeping their head down and not having the proper tackling technique because these coaches aren't necessarily in it for the long term for these kids. They're in it trying to win their peewee titles. So, I mean, there's a, a lot of different uh, things that kind of infect what football could have been. But I think, Pat, to your point, though, you're sharing stories when you're younger. I had those same stories when I played, too. I mean... I, I took uh, someone's uh, head to my teeth and closed the gap in my teeth uh, for that. My lip was all sore. But 
uh, I don't think I had a concussion because again, it's your it's it's like you said UFC or it's like uh, you, you like rugby or other things that you don't have the the protection, which also then tells you like, hey, I gotta stop. So at least not the repeated blows to the head when that happened. I said, well, that's that's it for my day, uh, and I went home, put some ice in my mouth. But I do think both things can happen. You know, coaching to teach how to tackle in a controlled environment, kids can still play on their own as well. Part of it is really the key. I remember when I was down and I was transferred to Nashville and back in the mid 70s, and our oldest son, Scott, played football. And you'd swear that the coach there thought he was Vince Lombardi. I mean, he did all the kinds of drills and technique and things like this, and he really didn't have any awareness of. What he was doing in terms of the the pressure it might have put on the body and things like this, I mean, so that's the the danger part. I do think that there's a good point to be made with respect to flag football, and I think that's probably one of the biggest things nowadays is the big big body people uh, don't really have the feet, mm-hmm. and quickness, and things like that to to adapt to the game. I think in some respects, I remember Marlo Suter, who is of course the father of Bobby Suter, and. John and and uh, he would get the kids on the ice and they're all ready to go out there and grab the puck and bang people around. He'd play pom pom pull away with it, and so just to skate and just not uh, not hit anybody, but just try to get away from them. Use your agility, quickness, stop starts, things like this. And so I think that there's a, a place for that, certainly with respect to the early ages, because I think that's one of the biggest issues you have when you get to the next level and the, perhaps the highest level is have your feet really kept up to your body, so to speak. And that's all one thing I always thought in college is I think it would be great to have the uh, football players, especially the linemen, play handball or racquetball or some type of court game. And uh, certainly in basketball with some of the players like Joe Thomas and Mark Towser played basketball, and that certainly helped them along the way. This is the Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. This is something that's going to continue, and uh, look, I've heard everyone from Derek Engler to to other players who have said, like, yeah, coaching makes a big part of it, and they're sometimes in it and sometimes they're not, and it does seem like the – the, the more established the, the person has been in their profession, you know, in the football field, the less serious they take uh, the peewee football side of things. But uh, it, it really is, I mean, there's, it's hard to keep a governing body on kids. And maybe that's part of Favre's point of, like, it's hard to keep a governing body on, pe- on kids under the 14. The high school is a lot easier to manage, making sure these uh, kids are actually being taught the proper ways and following the right procedures. Yeah, and I think given everything else that's happening with Nil and and uh, the options to be transferred and go everywhere you want, the transfer portal, things like that, it's going to be more difficult to control that in the the future because now it just seems like it's more wide open and everything is is free game. And so you can be much more – the more structure you have in the game is kind of inconsistent with what's happening now, and that's going to be very difficult to control. We'll take a break here. This is the Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin. I'm in. Pack Attack. All Packers, all the time. I ain't gonna lie to you. This team is stacked. ESPN Wisconsin's best Packers talk every day. This is a stacked ball squad. Subscribe to the Pack Attack podcast on Wisconsin On Demand and wherever you get your podcasts. Every time I hear this song, it reminds me of the movie Remember the Titans. And I'm going to be honest with both of you here. 
This Wisconsin versus Purdue game seems to have the offensive output of the teams in, <laughs> from the 60s in Remember the Titans. Uh, it is it is it, well into the second quarter. It's 7 to nothing. A lot of, lot of misses on the throws. Uh, you, you, hold on. on. You realize this game was 20 years old. I know, but the, remember the <laughs> Titans is from like the 60s, so even 20 years ago. <laughs> the Badgers were good 20 years ago, but this game is tough to watch. Uh, and the Badgers lose this one, so I don't even want to watch it. Uh, this is the Pat Richter Show live from the Park Bank ESPN Madison Studios. Brought to you in part by J&K Security Solutions. Jeff and Kim do a fantastic job at J&K Security Solutions, helping you protect the most important things in your life from anywhere in the world. They work hard to do that for you. For more information, call 2 799 or visit jksecurity.com. They also do a lot in the community. And, Pat, I wanted to talk to you about this Badgers football team. They have Graham Mertz as their quarterback. They've opened number 12 on the AP poll. So we're expecting more offensive output uh, from the Badgers this year. No Michigan, no Michigan State or Minnesota in the top 25. But I also want to point out no Northwestern in the top 25 either. And I know last year they were they were in the Big Ten championship game. Pat Fitzgerald pointed that out. He said, hey, we weren't in the preseason top 25 last year either, but uh, we ended up with more wins than most of those teams to begin with. So uh, we don't know how it's going to all play out, but obviously from the outside looking in, a lot of expectations for the Badgers. Yeah, I think so. And I think that these, these rankings and things like this are getting muddled into this whole business about you know the expanded playoffs and the conferences being uh, expanded getting additional teams in and things like this. And I think that uh, sometimes they just get too much on their plates and come up and they really don't do their homework. Uh, you'd be hard-pressed to to say that with Wisconsin teams coming back and players coming back that they aren't ranked a little bit higher. Personally, I'd always you'd rather be ranked lower until you prove otherwise and sneak up on people if you get an opportunity. But certainly with the schedule, not playing Ohio State and uh and then things like that that really enters into it. But but I think that the the defense just seems to be something you don't need to spend much time on. I mean, you got uh, a lot of guys coming back, and Leonard's got that under control, and everything seems to be in good shape. I think where we've stubbed our toe a little bit has been, you know, when the line has uh, been touted and, and uh, returning Letterman, things like this, and we haven't really performed that ability. And, and teams understand that. They know that they can probably have a better chance to win the, the game if they can shut down the running attack, and so they throw everything there is against the uh, the offensive line. You know, and, and Graham, uh, you know, he had a good start last year, but then things just kind of went to, to hell in a handbasket a little bit. And, and so I think in that respect, that even puts more pressure on making sure you can make the throws and not have to run a game a game uh, runner runners maybe have not proven themselves. I think it sounds like there's a, a couple of uh, opportunities for some guys we don't know much about to break into the starting lineup and the and the uh, running attack. And uh, but their line looks like it's young, but it's got some great potential. I think. And uh, I think the ma- major thing is we just have got to somehow get back to the days when we had. You know, like the Lee Evanses of the world and uh, people like that and and the receivers. That's one thing that's never really come along, and that's what you get when you when you have a running attack that's get uh, so highly touted that uh, you know receivers get you get negative recruiting saying, well, why would you go there? You're not going to see the ball. And and I think in that sense, 
I think Sir Paul probably would rather be a little bit more balanced in that regard. But certainly, still the bread and butter is going to be the running attack, and uh, and then we have to just take what we can get there. And and the guys like Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor and do Jack Dunn and fill in blanks and things like this. Those are the guys that are going to have to really pull the weight, and uh, and and Ferguson as well with the tight end. But you know, if they they shut them down because they think he's going to be the main target, then that's going to make it more difficult for him to get open as well. So. I think that uh, I'm not too disturbed about where the rankings are. I think we've always had the issues when things maybe haven't gone as smoothly as possible. You start to slip, and then the things start to set into negative thoughts and things like this, and I think it's better off. They're kind of in the middle of the pack, so to speak. You know, the other the Big Ten in general doesn't seem to get much respect, and, uh, you know, they, they maybe now are starting to – see what Michigan is all about and uh, maybe not give them the, the hand it to them. And the irony of the whole deal is uh, certainly set up to be the premier game would be Notre Dame when you've got Jack Cohen on the other side of the center with respect to uh, him starting quarterback at Notre Dame. That's going to be a very interesting situation and a lot of pressure on both both kids at quarterback, but uh, certainly much more so on Graham than on uh, than Jack Cohen. Yeah, Jack Cohen getting that job in Notre Dame is um, surprising, but good for him. Uh, both guys can be successful, and uh, it can work out. It seems like it'll work out for both programs. I think Graham Mertz is going to have a, a, a big jump this year. I mean, we have to be honest here. Graham had really good flashes, but at the same time, they were, you know, really some big misses, too. And, and Cohen might have been a steadier hand last year if he was healthy, but Cohen gets the opportunity to be quarterback in Notre Dame for as long as he can keep that job. And and Mertz is a guy the Badgers have for you know last year and now into the future. I mean, this year could be if you wanted to be optimistic, an opportunity for for Graham to to really explode. I mean, he's had a lot of time around the camp. He's had a lot of time in this offense, and he could have more and more games that looked like you know his five touchdown performance. Yeah, and I think he's got to understand that the pressure's off in that respect. That the you know expectations are that just be your normal self and be the player that uh, you've been when you're on tar- target, tar- player that you were in the high school all-star game, you know, just lights out. And uh, he just seems like he feeds on that kind of uh, uh, that kind of a performance. And I think in that respect, that's what you're going to need. And I, somebody made a quick co- comment on, on one of the radio shows I was listening to today or yesterday, and they said, well, you know, Chip, or, uh, Brian Kelly doesn't have the greatest track record of building a quarterback uh, Resume and so uh, that's that's one thing that we uh, maybe have gotten our side. The fact that they've had an awful difficult time trying to find uh, a quarterback. You think of all schools that would have not a difficult time getting a a four or five star quarterback. It would be Notre Dame, but that just doesn't happen. So, uh, but I I think that uh, this is going to be a little pressure on uh, uh, on Graham, and it's relatively early in the season. So I think in that respect, it's probably kind of going you know, to set the tempo for the rest of the uh, the uh, season. But uh, certainly you got to get off to a good start, play well against Penn State. They're kind of an enigma. You know, nobody really knows how good or bad they might be. Last year they were not very good at all, and uh, a lot of pressure on Franklin up there. But uh, they seem to have settled down and get a little bit more towards traditional, you know, Penn State ways and, uh, and play well. But certainly the things are aligned for – Wisconsin to make a good run at it, and I think in that regard, uh, everybody's all excited about it. And uh, but I think that 
this is the way you'd like to have it. You'd like to have the defense much more attuned to the fact that uh, you're going to have to score a lot of points on us to beat us. And, uh, and and that's uh, that way it should be because the defense with Jim Leonard can be awfully stingy, and that means you're not so much pressure on Graham to score a lot of points, and so that's going to be in our favor certainly. But it should be an interesting year, and with all the things that have happened in the past year or so, I think that uh, you know for us to kind of slip in there, it just seems like things going in, in waves. You know, the the Brewers, the Bucks, the Badgers, <laughs> yeah. the Packers. Could be a great year for everybody. Well, and you look at the Badgers' schedule. I mean, it's a tough schedule, but it is a schedule that if they if they win these games, they're going to be in a, a position where they will they could be in that college football playoff. They start at a high ranking. They play Penn State, a ranked team. Michigan, uh, obviously, very highly thought of. We you know Notre Dame. We've talked about. Uh, we don't know what Illinois is going to start off with with Brett Bielema, but then you got Iowa is usually a team that's at least a bowl caliber team. Northwestern usually ends up as a bowl caliber team. Nebraska looks like a disaster. I saw Scott Frost is under some there's some investigation into what he's been doing there, and he hasn't really turned the corner yet. So we can't we don't really know what Nebraska and Minnesota would be there. But it's a perfect mix of a lot of a lot of games the Badgers should be favored in, but some key games in Penn State, Michigan, and Notre Dame that the Badgers can make some national noise with. Yeah, and I think that uh, this is the way it's set up in terms of early in the season. And we've always had the issue with respect to if you stub your toe somewhere along the line, it's been difficult to get yourself back up because our division just doesn't have the strength of schedule uh, that the Ohio State's and Penn State and Michigan and everybody have over on the other side. You know, we've got the also-ran, so to speak, that don't get a heck of a lot of coverage, and then, but they can sneak up on you. And that's what I'm really more concerned about than anything else. It's the Iowas, it's the Minnesotas, and the Northwesterns, and people like that, that you have a chance to, you know, if you're not on top of your game and they know that there's a chance to knock you off, especially given most recent history, those are the games that are going to be really tough. And, and I think that that's the thing that you've got to guard against, and that's got to play top-notch football i mean northwestern shows that they can do it they got good coaching and uh and players and you don't hear much about them and uh and those are the ones you're gonna have to worry about and but you also have to take care of business with respect to penn state i mean that getting them out of the blocks is probably the best thing that can happen getting them on our, our turf and then same thing with michigan and then be able to go down to uh uh, Soldier Field and, and go after Notre Dame. That'll be that'll be kind of the, the benchmark, so to speak, to put against the football team. Is uh, you know that if you can take care of them and take care of business, they're going to get a little bit of respect. If you don't, you know, you just, how you how you play that game is going to be very important in terms of the rest of the season. This is the Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN. We got sounds of the week coming up next. 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin on the Man. On the air, on demand, on social, on Wisconsin Sports. Serving Wisconsin sports fans. This is 100.5 ESPN. Show 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin on demand. We're brought to you by Stoughton Health. Nobody plans on getting injured, and when you do, you need help to get back on track. Stoughton Health has rehab locations in Stoughton and Oregon, so it's convenient for your recovery. Learn more at stoughtonhealth.com. Stoughton Health creating excellence together. 
It's time now for Silence of the Week, but before we get to that, you have a question, Alex, don't you? For uh, Mr. Pat Richter, earlier in the week, we have a we did a Jordan Love uh, meter here. Yeah, and, uh, you have a question. Before we get into sounds of the week, we can all, you know first ask Pat uh, about our Jordan Love love meter. Yeah, so Pat, we have introduced the Jordan Love o meter this week as we are trying to you know gauge where we're at with Jordan Love as he you know naturally progresses as an NFL pro. So we have. Four categories. That's why, that's why you had that lead-in music we just listened to. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. You got wow. it. Wow. <laughs> uh, so our four options on the love-o-meter, Pat, are keeping yep. it casual, like-like, in love, and committed. Where do you fall on the love-o-meter? Keeping it casual, like-like, in love, or committed? Uh, I would, the two, I, number two, I think is a little bit low. Uh, love like is a little bit heavy. Committed, I think, is the realistic <laughs> viewpoint of this whole situation. But uh, I it was relatively more impressed than I thought it would be. He started very tentative, and uh, so I guess we're, at this stage of the game, I'm committed. I love to hear <laughs> that. Let's get to sounds of the week. What did she say? These are the sounds of the week on the Pat Richter Show. Brought to you by Simden Chevrolet in Mount Horeb. You're only minutes away from a better buying experience. So let's not move very far. Let's hear from Jordan Love following his first performance with the Green Bay Packers. I think it was a slow start. Uh, the first two drives, not being able to you know, convert those third downs. Um, but then I think we started getting into a little bit of a groove on offense and Obviously had that next drive, which was good, but um, overall I think I played good. Um, a couple plays where I messed uh, some things up, but, you know, things I learned from. Well, you said you were genuinely impressed, Pat, and I think I was as well, but what stuck out to you from Jordan Love's first performance with Green Bay? Well, I, I guess I was totally impressed. was not necessarily where I was surprised that their quarterback ranking was as high as it was. And I right, right. I get that high, but, but I think that starting off, it was probably a little difficult because I think the other team knew that you're going to throw those little short passes, little little chucking up and get it a little bit warm. So they're probably going to press a little bit. If you had a couple of stop and goes and things like this, it might have worked out pretty well. But you could tell he was very tentative to start and just, uh, you know, not the swagger getting up to the line of scrimmage. He's just, you know, he hasn't been, been two years before he got under the, since he's been under the center. And so I think that started off that way. But when he hit Sternberger over the middle, I think that really kind of opened things Ooh. up a little bit and got everybody a little bit cranked up. And certainly, you know, with the line, uh, the line play is, as poor as it was, uh, it was very difficult to get a good, true read on what. Uh, but that's kind of what Aaron's been been through too, as well. He hasn't had the greatest protection in the world, and we've always talked about that of good beefing it up. But now it really looks like you need to come up and see what you got because I think he's time. He's made some good throws, but then there are other times when he just was a little tentative and holding a little too long, and so that's going to come with some experience, hopefully. I look at it with Jordan Love that like he didn't show anything that shows he's incapable, but I think he's got a long way to go. I, I think the Packers would be in trouble if he gets injured early in the season to have to go to him for maybe four games. But that's not uncommon for backup quarterbacks. I think he still can get to where they want him to be, at least being a capable NFL starter by next year. But uh, this injury doesn't help anything. What's next, Alex? It certainly does not help. You're absolutely right. From the 2020 first-round pick of the Green Bay Packers, Jordan Love, to the 2006 first-round pick of the Green Bay 
Bay Packers, A.J. Hawk. He talks about Jordan Love on KJZ yesterday. He's in a weird spot. I, I don't. I feel for the kid because he didn't ask for any of this, and he comes into it. Uh, this is how he comes into the NFL. But hey, everybody's path is different. Let's see what he can do with it. But yeah, it's not like I, I have nothing against Jordan Love. I don't think anybody does. I don't. I just think we're we're just uncertain of exactly what kind of pro he's going to be. We are uncertain of what kind of pro he's going to be. But he called it a a weird spot. Pat, do you agree that Jordan Love's in a weird spot in Green Bay? Oh, I think so. I think there's no question about it. I think just think about it. This whole business about you know, Bart Starr, Fire, Rogers, and now Love. The expectations are just off the charts. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, we've not had the kind of things that the, like the Bears have gone through or the Eagles have gone through or most every team in the league has gone through. We've had the luxury of sitting back for 16 years and say, okay, quarterback's taken care of. Now what are we going to worry about? And uh, and that's just not realistic. And so I think he's uh, he's conflicted, and the, I think the talk just uh, put it right on the table just the way it is. Yeah, I, 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 I'm I actually fully on board with what Pat goes with there. So let's hit next. I'm typically on board with everything yeah, Pat exactly. says. That's he's a, a smart guy, yeah. Uh, here's Brian Gutekunst. The Green Bay Packers are doing joint practices today and tomorrow with the New York Jets. First one went pretty smooth. No no big fights or anything of the sort. But here's Brian Gutekunst on why he enjoys having joint practices. You're able to have another team in here um, in a controlled environment and, and let those guys compete in a more controlled environment. I think it's really good for your, you know, your quarterbacks because obviously you can control the situations. And then for us, just being able to stay here in Green Bay and have another team on your field for a few days really gets you a chance to evaluate another team and see how your guys kind of stack up. Pat, do you have any stories with joint practices or were you ever a part of anything of the sort? Yeah, we were. We uh, First off, we started with with the All-Star game in Chicago, and we went over to uh, Wernselier in, in, in Indiana where the Bears were practicing, and we had a couple of scrimmages with them, and that was a real eye-opener because uh, they were the monsters in midway, and it was very physical, and more likely they were a little bit of it's pretty hard to keep from having fights in those kinds of situations. And then we were practicing against the Baltimore Colts when we were in Maryland with the Redskins. And uh, and I think that there probably is no better way to use your time productively than that kind of uh, environment. It's, uh, it's intense. It's game-type situations. It's guys trying to win jobs. It's uh, it's probably at the highest level. And, uh, and, it's, and it's a little bit more rough and tumble. I mean, it's not... You know, you're going to get the calls and things like this, but it's going to be bordering on a little bit of mayhem out there. But uh, I think it's a great way to spend your time in practice sessions. I think it's great. I, the only negative here is that Jordan Love isn't doing it. I, I mean, it's not his fault, but he's right. hurt. And we saw it like, just down the road in Chicago. I mean, Justin Fields, he had two practices against the Dolphins, and then he had a, a pretty good performance against the Dolphins for a young quarterback. And that's basically where Jordan Love is, is that he's essentially a rookie. He completely redshirted last year. Alex, you pointed out he didn't put on pads. Right. Any of these reps were live competition. I don't care. I don't care good or bad. They're just reps he needs to have, which is why I'm concerned about Saturday. Hey, Wait. Pat, I, yeah, I, I, gotta, I think they're probably concerned about the injury factor with him, too. I mean, I, hopefully this is not a precursor to what we're dealing with, but certainly in, a, in an environment like that is even more intense than the Houston game for sure. No doubt about it. So Pat, I gotta ask you, every time Jim brings up Justin Fields, should I just start turning off his microphone? How should I handle this? <laughs> well, yeah, I'd rather hear him talk about the Cubs. <laughs> yeah, that really went well <laughs> last week for him, didn't it? Who? Yeah, what, what, are we, what are you talking about? Anyway, uh, let's do our weekly Aaron Rodgers check-in. He says this today. 
You know, I don't want a farewell tour. Um, I don't know what's going to happen after the season, but but I'm going to enjoy it with the right perspective for sure. And not look at it as I'm getting through this. I'm just going to enjoy the hell out of, you know, all of it. Now, I, I want to phrase this the right way. I, I, I don't understand why we keep talking about it if he doesn't want a farewell tour. And I know he's only answering the questions he's getting asked, but it feels like we can't actually start football season until we're done with the drama from the off season. Am I am I off base there, Pat? No, I think you're right. And I think this is one of those situations where it's almost an inverse relationship. In other words, farewell tours, if you're having a great year, it isn't going to happen, and more likely you'll be back with the Packers. If you're not having a good year, it's not going to be pleasant, and you're going to be let go or work out a deal on your own or whatever. So it's, it's kind of funny because uh, the better you play, the more likelihood that this is not a farewell tour. And so uh, certainly we hope that he plays well and uh, the fans uh, give him the, the treatment that he deserves and uh, and make him understand and understands well he, he does. The Packers fans and everybody are behind him. And this is not a farewell tour. It's just kind of the beginning of another uh, run at the t- a title, for example. Next. Last one here for you, Pat. One more from Aaron Rodgers. I haven't even heard this one yet, but it just came through. So over the weekend, Aaron Rodgers, David Bakhtiari, and Devontae Adams, I believe it was, posted on their Instagram stories that they wanted the Packers to bring Clay Matthews back. He hasn't played football in two years, mind you. Here's Aaron Rodgers on that today. Friday night, I was with uh, Dave and his lovely uh, fiance, Frankie, and the Cobbs. And we had a question about Clay uh, that came up because Clay just moved, you know, moved from California. And so we got Clay on the FaceTime. Those conversations turned into a social media post. There hasn't been, a, I don't think, a big push for many of us to, to sign him. I mean, no, I don't even, we didn't even talk ball. We were just kind of BSing with him, having a good conversation. But he's a big farmer now. I'm not sure. He's kind of like Jordy. I don't even think. Probably got that strength to be able to play, but I don't think I thought about football Wait in a while. <laughs> Did he just say Clay Matthews was a big farmer? With with how pretty Clay Matthews is, I would never expect him to be a farmer. Well, it depends on the kind of crops you're right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, Okay, yeah. well, let me ask it's you that, Pat. Yeah. Well, let me ask you that. What do you think Clay Matthews farms? <laughs> Well, I think he's probably in the right spot. I, I think he probably the last thing in the world he wanted was these guys going to bat for him and saying, hey, come on. And he's right. thinking about, oh, my God, i got to get in shape now and everything else. And so I think we found out that it was kind of more tongue-in-cheek than anything else just by what he said today. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And also, speaking of tongue-in-cheek, and, and I don't know how the audio works on this, Alex, I sent it to you. With Aaron Rodgers was, was asked a question today because uh, he, you know, you can dig it up here, Alex, while I set it up, but – he praised another player for the uh, the Green Bay Packers, kind of a fringe roster guy. And the last time he did that was uh, Jake Kumarau. And Jake is on the Buffalo Bills. And uh, Rob Domofsky from ESPN uh, decided to have a little bit of fun with Aaron. I can't wait to see what Kafusi does in Buffalo this year. But anyway, um, you, if you didn't know uh, Morgan was from <laughs> did you know Colvin? Jesus, man, he says, so, and he's got to—he's laughing, he's chuckling at it because he definitely, uh, I think, appreciated Rob's little little jab there. That was more at obviously the Packers front office uh, right. than anything else, right. but uh, at least Aaron's willing to laugh at uh, some of his complaints. Yeah, I think that that's uh, that's kind of the way he is. He's always been that way, and I think he certainly 
hoping against hope that he does a very good job. And, and I think under the right circumstances, maybe they weren't the right ones at the Packers and whatever. But uh, I think that, you know, when your quarterback eyes talent, I think that you got to pay attention. And certainly with respect to if that's one of the people you're going to be throwing to, I think that you know, put it, put the pressure on him. Don't put the pressure on you on the, on the organization because, you know, he'll prove you wrong. We'll take a break here. This is the Pat Richter Show, 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin on demand. We're on the Packers. Are you on the Scalzo and Russ Super Bowl 56 train down Route 1 to Los Angeles? Because we're on Wisconsin sports. Nobody covers the green and gold like 100.5 ESPN. Little Van Halen ain't talking about love. This, uh, I think you are talking about love. <laughs> That's a good point. Did you do that on purpose? Of course I did. I love me some Van Halen. Really? One of my favorite bands. Well, that's uh, surprising after that last bump music you played for us here. On the, on the I didn't Pat choose Richter that show. one for the record. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh, <laughs> this is the Pat Richter Show. He's Alex Schroff. I'm Jim Rutledge alongside Pat Richter, former Wisconsin Athletic Director, live from the Park Bank ESPN Madison Studios. We're brought to you in part by Oak Park Place. They offer seniors and loved ones peace of mind. Find the right place and the right balance of care that you need centered around your lifestyle. Move to a community with neighbors that become like family. Enjoy the comforts of your apartment with an abundance of events just outside your door. Choose the fit that is right for you from independent living to assisted living, memory care, and short-term rehabilitation. Oak Park Place with locations on Madison's east side in the Nakoma neighborhood, Janesville, and Baraboo. Visit oakparkplace.com to learn more. And uh, this is, I'll just read it right from Alex Strofe's uh, little email here. Brewers continue to be ridiculous. I will not reference Burns' no hitter because you have to get to the seventh he inning. He carried for, one into the, read the email word for word. I see it. Read Burns, it. Car- Burn took a no, Burns took a no, no into the sixth last night. That's no. You got to get you got to get one out in seventh, and I'll start counting it. Yeah, I'd be a little bit closer than that. That's not it. Yeah, Pat is Jim just salty? That's what it sounds no, like. I, to I, me. I tell you what, I, I watched that. And I, it was the most unlikely no hitter up up to that point, and I've ever. I thought the first inning or so was going to be a blast, and uh, <laughs> he weathered that storm, but uh, it really just kind of snuck up on you. Well, and here's the thing: the Brewers are unquestionably a great baseball team. The only thing that I think works against them is the fact that and I said this earlier in the week that they're, they're in the National League and the National League uh, is loaded. Uh, you have the Brewers at 73 wins, but then that would put them in third place in the NL West. I mean, you have the Giants at 78, the Dodgers at 74. Meanwhile, the Padres have 67 in third place, so uh, it is nothing against the Brewers. I, it's almost like the the reverse of the Packers in, in the uh, the National Football League in the NFL, in the uh, uh, on their side of things, uh, because obviously you got on the AFC side, you have uh, you have Buffalo, you had Kansas even City, Kansas City, even the Ravens. There's just, I think just a more high level Cleveland, on the AFC. Yeah. Uh, the NFC is a little bit. It's really down to the, like the Packers and the the Bucks, yeah. really. And, and so it's the reverse for the Brewers, though. They have a tough go. It's not like the Braves are are some uh, terrible team as well. The Phillies are even above five hundred. So the National League. Is is loaded, so the, and the Brewers are right there at the, near the top of it. But at the same time, it's still shocking to say they'd be in third place in the NL West. Well, I tell you what, the thing that really got me last night was the tr- traditional guys that beat us. You know, the Goldschmidt, uh, Bader, uh, and then of course they got Arenado, who was tougher than Molina. I mean, he's 
you talk about a gruff guy. I mean, he, he just scares the hell out of you. You know, I mean, he's an umpire. You got the wrath <laughs> of God when he turned around him and he went to the bench after he got struck out. I think it was he looked like he was in the North Pole. He had long sleeve shirts and jackets. <laughs> and he was pumped up and whatever. But I think that's one of the things that uh, we've talked about a little before is the fact. Bring some of those guys on your team, a guy like a Reynolds from Pittsburgh. And certainly that's what happened with Colton Wong. I mean, look what he did. And, and uh, But Goldschmidt was quiet. But uh, every time they went up to bat, they were just one walk or whatever, one way, one blast away from tying it up. And I was expecting it all the way down to the last outing, saying, the hater can put it to bed, but it, but it was just a kind of a perfect uh, way that they laid it out. I mean, with the uh, closers, Boxberger done a great job, and and it was just a, kind of a perfect uh, way that uh, Council played the the uh, end of the game. Yeah, I mean the the Brewers uh, and look, some of that is some of those guys have gotten older, but uh, the Brewers have a, a loaded bullpen, loaded you know. First couple pitchers there were three. They have three guys who can go out and win you a playoff game, yeah. and so it's unquestioned uh, that the Brewers are, are legitimately a contender. And it's just—I love when you say that. You want to say that again for us, please? Just one more time. You—you you do understand that I have no ill will. I was a Brewers fan <laughs> until I was eighteen years old. Can like, you just I, say it again? Yeah, the Brewers are a legitimate contender. Let's go. All right. Yeah, which I don't—I don't need to be the one to say that. They clearly are, uh, and they can win any, any series. I just wish it wasn't a different year for them that the, the Giants and the Dodgers that Chris Bryant's actually playing well for the, in a in, again in a pennant race there with the Giants. So I mean those those other teams are what's the concern, but the Brewers can only control what they can control and they're really good. Yeah, I think that they've really uh, done everything that they possibly could do to get, get themselves in a position. I mean, the uh, Stearns have done a terrific job, and uh, they just have played this. I mean, the two guys that they pulled in out, Adamas, I mean, is terrific. Yep. Telez, Tel- Telez, yep. whatever they want to say. Yeah, I mean, they got they've Travis Shaw. Job. Who would have I mean, thought that was happening? Uh, Narvaez. I mean, it's almost a complete remake, and you've kind of forgotten about uh, Alcides, uh, you know, and everything else, and the guys that were let go. And you know, I still still get concerned. The guy that I kind of like, and sorry, they let go is Gamble, although there's no spot uh, in the in the outfield for him. But he's he's a guy that can mess it up for you. Now, if we can just get you know Christian Yelich uh, back on track, I mean. He's just so uncomfortable up there. You feel for the guy. He just uh, feels so ill at ease. And he swung the bat a little bit better last night, and uh, he's got some of those excuse-me hits, but then he hit the ball pretty hard, and uh, and he can score. And so, you know, Council's going to force it into him. I mean, he's putting him right at the third, third batter and, and right in the top position, and so he's going he's gonna to force it out of him one way or the other. As always, we you know we do appreciate the time. Uh, this has been the Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin on the Man.